welcome to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. I'm glad you've made the connection and are with us today. I'm Lori Fitz, your host. And the goal of our show is to explore a wide range of topics that challenge us to see ourselves, our community, and the world around us. Get us thinking, get us talking, get us wondering about what if, and challenge to do something more. Asked to do something in our community to make it better. When I was a kid, my grandpa would take me to parks that were built by the WPA. Some of these parks are lost and kids don't even know about the, the parks and the roads and the, the world that was built by the WPA. And my grandpa, who had lived through the Depression, had a great respect for work. His last words to me, where work is a privilege. Work is something that everyone deserves. Well, it stayed with me. And over these last 40 years, it's been a real heartbreak, and I think it would have been a heartbreak for my grandfather, to see the unions disappear, the rights of workers, the middle class that was built on the backbone of good respect of workers, is dwindling to the point of almost non-existence. So before having the guest come today for Connections Radio Show, I wasn't aware of the WPA projects for artists as well. And today we're going to be talking about the WPA theater projects and a play that's being brought back to life from those theater projects about the rights of workers. And it's framed as a children's play. It's called Revolt, and it is being adapted by Kit Bix. And we have Kit joining us on air, online. Welcome, Kit. Hi. So Thank you. So glad that you're here today to be talking about the show coming up. And in our first segment, we're going to be really focusing on the history of the WPA. And to do that, we also have uh, Peter Ratcliffe, who is the co-executive director of the Eastside Freedom Library. Welcome, Peter. Good morning. And we've got Shannon Tui, who is the director of Revolt, the play that is uh, being drawn from the WPA projects. Welcome, Shannon. Oh, thank you. Happy to be here. We've got Zach Holmquist, who plays in the, uh, in the show. He is playing the role of Paolo. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Good morning, Zach. And we've got Christopher Mogul, who is the associate producer. Good morning. Welcome. Good. Welcome, Christopher. So, my friend Kit, what inspired you to bring this show back? And then I want to go over to Peter to tell us a little bit more about the Federal Theater Project. But I want to start with you, Kit. Oh, golly. Um, well, um, that's an interesting question. Um, <laughs> I... Um, you know, I had been doing all these benefit uh, readings and the production last year, It Can't Happen Here, and, um, you know, raising some money for groups like ACLA, ACLU and such. And I'm a um, federal theater project buff, and so when the Fringe Lottery came around, I thought, well, I want to do another one that is relevant, uh, because I do believe that we can learn something from the works of that time, progressive works from the uh, New Deal era. And um, so I originally was going to do an FTP play, an obscure one, about a woman who <laughs> runs for president, and she has a child with a disability, and she's eventually stopped. <laughs> but that was for a tiny little theater, so I and I had applied for two venues, and I got the large venue, and I then so I chose Revolt of the Beavers, which is the the full title, Revolt of the Beavers, because um, I just think labor is is uh, you know I grew up pretty much the same era as you when labor was the backbone and the voice of the Democratic Party. And I've been seeing what's what's happening and how this, uh, especially how this administration is 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 devastating the uh, unions and what's what's left of them and and taking away um, what uh, what protections we have. So, um, so I wanted to. I figured this would be a good choice to bring attention to the role of labor and the role of unions in our history. Terrific. Now, for our audience, I'm just going to give a little overview of what Revolt is. Uh, Revolt was a 1937 federal theater product 
project production of a children's play about workers, and these were cast as beavers, who are exploited by a cruel and greedy factory owner and who form a union to demand higher uh, wages. And, of course, those wages were provided in bark um, and reasonable shifts. Uh, They are led by sprightly, smart labor organizer, Oakleaf. And when the owner won't negotiate, they stage a revolt and the owner gives up and hands them the key to the factory. So you've updated this, and you're also adding some uh, a little ed- environmental theme, I understand, as well. Yeah, yes. Uh, we thought um, we had made the decision um, early on that uh, we should make it more topical, bring it up to date. Um, so y- there are uh, additional themes. It's it's really um, quite a, it's, it's a... It's somewhat of a departure from the original um, in that respect. Peter... Tell us about the Federal Theater Project, the branch of the FDR's WPA. Well, you know, the Great Depression began in 1929. In 1932, uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt was elected president. He really didn't have a program. Uh, The idea was that uh, Herbert Hoover had been president during the Great Depression and continued until the very end of his uh, uh, regime arguing that laissez-faire capitalism would come back on its own. Roosevelt's election was an indication that people didn't believe that and thought that an active government was necessary. Over 1933, various forms of protest, protest by farmers, protest by workers, protest by unemployed veterans in what was called the Bonus Army, all united in the voice that the federal government had a responsibility to do something. And the initial something was to create jobs. Mm -hmm. And so the WPA was a job creation program. And there was great discussion about should these just be make work jobs or should they serve some purpose? And among the unemployed were unemployed academics, unemployed artists, and the government began to develop programs nationally and state by state that would create projects where art, ideas, and road building, hospital building, so on. Dams. Dams, right, would all be created uh, to produce things that would be useful. And that critical thinking, that's a refreshing thought. Was considered useful. Critical (laughs) thinking was considered useful. Uh, And so whether it was uh, Jacob Lawrence uh, in his first opportunity to be paid for creating visual art, or whether it was poets who got the first opportunity to get paid for writing poems, or playwrights and actors. Um, This was what the WPA began to develop. And in the realm of the arts, there were a series of programs, one being the Federal Theater Project, another the Federal Writers Project, that specifically created funding uh, for unemployed artists to create work and present it to the public. And so Revolt of the Beavers fits very nicely in that it was aimed as a children's play. And the idea was this was a way to educate, to energize, and even to expose young people to critical thinking and critical thinking through the arts. And it had multi-layers, you know, like any good allegory. You know, there was uh, the message for the children to understand that you know, collaboration's a good idea. Yes, and yeah. yet there was also a, a strong sting in there about you know there are rights for workers and those right. those need to be respected. Right, and I think you know the kids have fond feelings about furry animals and especially beavers, <laughs> and as industrious animals. And it's been interesting to me that this play has been occasionally uh, revived, mm-hmm. and to my knowledge, no contemporary company has had the chutzpah to put the actors on roller skates, which was how the play was originally done. Seriously? And so to think about how to engage young people, uh-huh. and maybe God help us today, it would be on these mechanized scooters. Uh-huh. But, you know, something like, so that this was a cool thing uh-huh. uh, for kids to see and to be drawn to and to be invited to think critically about work 
and workers' rights, as as you framed it. Maybe there's a way to do some gamification with it. I think that you know, <laughs> somehow with with collab, you get points for collaboration uh, in a gamification mode. Of, yeah. Well, uh, I'm I'm just I'm hopeful that <laughs> that the word will get out uh, and parents will bring kids sure. to see this play. Well, we do encourage our audience uh, to go see shows. Mm-hmm. Um, we encourage them to take children to, to shows or art programs to give them the chance to be exposed to, to ways of looking at the world. And an artist's lens is a powerful lens because it allows us to imagine something different. Absolutely. Let me just say a little bit about research that I've done with my partner, Beth Cleary, into a federal theater project project in Buffalo, New York, where a troupe of eight African Americans who called themselves the Jubilee Singers and were part of the Federal Theater Project created plays in which invisible African Americans held little white people by the strings and (laughs) did an adapted version of Uncle Tom's Cabin that ends with Abe Lincoln, a puppet of Abe Lincoln behind a scrim, reading the Emancipation Proclamation over the body of the Uncle Tom Ugh. puppet. So, and those were children's plays. Wow. Those are for kids, to, and they were ostensibly innocuous because they were children's <laughs> plays. But powerful. But powerful. And there was mucho criticism, obviously, of all of this work. Sure, sure. I, can, I, I read that, as uh, Kit and others have sent me information about this, uh, about the puppet shows that were going on, but I had oh, no yeah. idea that they were those kinds of puppet shows that, that had that kind of power. Right. There were six African-American puppet companies funded by the Federal Theater Project around the United States. Well, good things to know and tell about the Federal Theater Project. And we have more to talk about with Revolt, the 1937 Federal Theater Project production of the children's plays about workers that are cast as beavers. We're going to talk more about the show as well as more about um, how art can act as part of the resistance. And this is a good time to be talking about that. You're listening to AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, and we'll be right back after a short break. Building a new home or remodeling a treasured older home can be one of the most exciting and rewarding endeavors of a lifetime. The key to success is to have your priorities and expectations decided up front and that your building partners all share your goals and vision. Steve Northway, founder of Construction Advocates, takes the mystery out of the process of building or remodeling and helps ensure a rewarding process for all involved. For more information or to set up an interview with Steve, go to constructionadvocates.com. That's constructionadvocates.com. Hi, everybody. Make plans to attend the one and only Powderhorn Art Fair on Saturday and Sunday, August 4th and 5th in the heart of South Minneapolis and picture-perfect Powderhorn Park. Experience and purchase original artwork from more than 230 artists. Spend time with your family and friends creating your own work of art at over half a dozen art stations. And don't forget to grab a bite to eat from over 25 different food trucks. So join us on Saturday, August 4th from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m., or Sunday, August 5th, from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. or both. The Powderhorn Art Fair is proudly brought to you by Powderhorn Park Neighborhood Association in collaboration with the Minneapolis Park and Recreation Board with a generous gift from the Metropolitan Regional Art Council. Again, join us for over 230 artists, 25 food trucks, and six arts experiences on August 4th and 5th. So we'll see you there at one of the most local art fairs around. Connections Radio Show is all about tapping into our hardwired hunger to connect. We examine meaningful connections to ourselves, our community, and the world around us by opening the door to innovative insights by a wide variety of interesting guests. We'll make the connections to something bigger than ourselves. Join me, Lori Fitz, your host of Connections Radio Show, and together we'll make the connections. Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota.
Enjoy a delicious home-cooked breakfast or lunch away from the kitchen at Milda's Cafe, now open seven days a week. Milda's Cafe has been cooking up family favorites since 1964. Grab a coffee and sit down for a delicious Philly scramble, house-made rolls, or Denver omelet. Stop in for lunch where you'll find authentic Finnish pasties every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Open weekdays 6 to 3, weekends 8 to 2. Milda's Cafe on Glenwood Avenue, four blocks east of Penn. have questions about your career, your romantic life, your family, or your pets? Do you dream of connecting with someone who's crossed over? Hi, I'm Christine Schroeder, and I'm an intuitive medium and psychic. I offer strategic insights, useful answers, and practical advice to help you navigate life's most interesting situations. To learn more and book a phone reading, visit christineintuitivemedium.wordpress.com. That's christineintuitivemedium.wordpress.com. radio show where we talk about ideas that matter. I'm Laurie Fitz and today we are talking about the uh, cool play that's going to be at the Fringe Festival and it is Revolt of the Beavers. I was told in the last segment that I was uh, just calling it the Revolt. That's the shorthand. The long full title is Revolt of the Beavers. This is a 1937 Federal Theater production of the children's play about workers who are cast as beavers who are exploited by a cruel and greedy factory owner. Now, we aren't facing cruel and greedy factory or corporate owners these days, are we? Well, with that thought, um, I'd love to have Chris. Well, I'm first going to introduce everybody who's part of the show today. We have Kit Bix, who is who has adapted the show. Welcome, Kit. Hi. <laughs> we have Peter Reckliff, who is the co-executive director of the Eastside Freedom Library. Glad to be here. Glad that you are here as well. We have Shannon Tui. Shannon is the director of the show. Hi. Glad you're here. We're going to talk a little bit more about your vision for this and what it's been like to direct this show. Uh, we have Zach Holmquist. Zach is uh, a character in the play that is coming to life on the show today. Good morning. And that's, he plays the part of Paolo. And we've got Christopher Mogul, who is the associate producer. Good morning. Christopher, tell us about uh, how people can get tickets to the show and all that good fringe stuff. <laughs> well, if you log on to Minnesota Fringe, so mnfringe.org, and look up our uh, show, Revolt of the Beavers, uh, you can order tickets directly online for uh, each of the show uh, show nights. And then also, if you want to find us on Facebook, um, you just look up uh, in the events section, uh, Revolt of the Beavers, and then you'll find all of our information right there. That also includes a link to the uh, Minnesota Fringe site. Peter, I understand that this show is more than a show. It's giving back. Tell me about that. Uh, the group staging the show has uh, committed to providing 30% of the proceeds to the American Civil Liberties Union. Uh, for readers of the Sunday New York Times, a week ago, the Times Magazine uh, had a feature piece on the ACLU and how it's trying to become a grassroots organization in this current historical moment where they're needed. And so this is really a great choice by the creative team to support the ACLU. And speaking of children, uh, it's wonderful that this is a children's play, but right. the ACLU is doing Is playing amazing, a leadership, leadership role, role yeah. at the border. And uh, bringing, yeah. making, helping to make the connections uh, between the families and children who've been yes. separated. So yep. you're supporting uh, a very good cause by coming to see this play. So two good reasons. You're going to see a great play, uh, and you're going to support the ACLU. Shannon, you are the director of a show that is adapted from the 30s, mm -hmm. um, and you have the chance to work with the writer who's adapting it, and you have a short amount of time to bring that play to life. How has it been to be part of something that's both historical as well as very current right now? Well, I can say that the process has been delightful. I came onto the project very quickly, and um, it's just been a very—it's been a great learning opportunity historically, but then also seeing the similarities between what's going on now, and you know, history is doomed to repeat itself. And we have this lovely framing device um, where the show starts out um, at the in Washington D.C. in the U.S. House of Representatives, in front of a special committee in 1938, and then we 
go away from that and bring the play into a mystical land called Beaverland, um, led, spearheaded by two children, one the dreamer, the other the realist, their siblings, and how they work together in order to overthrow this chief with a bunch of sad worker beavers. And so then coming into that, it's a play about unity in terms of we're uniting the artists, there's a professor character, so the educators, we're uniting the workers, and we're uniting the children too. And then there's another sub thing where everybody in Beaverland is nine years old, including the chief, including everybody. So it's kind of the great equalizer in bringing this group together in the play. And your own political feelings, how, how has that played into how you want to bring this art to life? Well, I undeniably so the similarities between what's happening now um, are into the play. Um, the We talked earlier about unions, about kind of how unions are dissolving. I think it brings back to the current um, feeling in the theater community about how we need to unite and um, hold together the people who are working, creating the sets. There's been some stuff where and this kind of falls more into the Me Too movement about supporting every aspect of a structure, all of the workers, the playwrights, the artists, the actors, and that becoming one to band together for equality. So not only the play itself, but the process of developing and, and creating and performing this has been an, a way of expressing um, a need to do things differently. Mm -hmm. is what I'm hearing. Right. And that art can be produced in a, a more, uh, uh, with a more heart of equality. Yes. Um, and in case anyone has uh, uh, questions about the title with beavers in the title, this has nothing to do with that part no, of the no, Me Too. No, no, so I <laughs> wanted to make sure and that yes. this isn't children's and children's can come <laughs> see this. Exactly. Uh, it's about the industrious nature of beavers because they build dams yeah. and help the environment. And then also bringing into the play, we have this environmental act. Um, aspect that Kit has um, elaborated on. Kit the playwright. Mm -hmm. Hi, Kit. Um, Hi. And so it's kind of bringing us into how many... In the play, the beavers do... They revolt. They take over the factory. They, they just say they, no. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Enough. And so then we have to also think about what will happen after the show. What will happen when the beavers do take over the factory because it's been established that the factory creates pollution. It's detrimental, and then it's also the beavers are not acting in their natural way. You know, they're not using their teeth, <laughs> so to speak. And so what What happens? So are we? what world are we leaving our children? What world are we leaving the children who will, might come to see this show? Wonderful. Paolo... Tell me about what it's like to be part of this show that may be a little different than shows that you've been in. Absolutely. So a little bit of background. I had uh, worked with Kit uh, last year for uh, the 2017 production of It Can't Happen Here, um, directed by uh, Brian Bevel. And I was approached by Kit uh, recently. I, she had informed me about the show uh, for this year and said, hey, you should come audition. Um, so, uh, when I was cast as the role of Paulo, I, uh, was really excited to jump on, um, Paulo, uh, so my, my character Paulo in the show, he's a nine-year-old, as, uh, uh, Shannon, uh, said, uh, previously, he's, uh, one of the kids, uh, he's the dreamer of the, of the siblings, and so, uh, his role is, uh, really to help, uh, work with Oakleaf to inspire the workers to stand up for their rights. Um, and the process has been absolutely wonderful. I've uh, uh, really enjoyed um, the time for Shannon to be stepping in to, as director and work with a wonderful cast. And in our next, next segment, we'll be reading some sides from that. And, and I have also been asked to play a role in this, so I, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, we'll, we'll have my um, debut for the Revolt of the Beavers. Uh, you're listening to AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, and we'll be right back after a short break. Stay tuned for a great show. 
everybody. Make plans to attend the one and only Powderhorn Art Fair on Saturday and Sunday, August 4th and 5th in the heart of South Minneapolis and picture-perfect Powderhorn Park. Experience and purchase original artwork from more than 230 artists. Spend time with your family and friends creating your own work of art at over half a dozen art stations. And don't forget to grab a bite to eat from over 25 different food trucks. So join us on Saturday, August 4th from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Or Sunday, August 5th from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. or both. The Powderhorn Art Fair is proudly brought to you by Powderhorn Park Neighborhood Association in collaboration with the Minneapolis Park and Recreation Board with a generous gift from the Metropolitan Regional Art Council. Again, join us for over 230 artists, 25 food trucks, and six arts experiences on August 4th and 5th. So we'll see you there at one of the most local art fairs around. Come and see the uplifting drama, Aphrodite's Refugees. The gods play a high-stakes game of cards to determine the fate of one young man and his siblings. A mostly true story based on interviews with refugees. A theatrical play about resilience, perseverance, and family by Mantra Performance. Presented as part of the Minnesota Fringe Festival, August 2nd through 12th. I miss to sleep in a house. I would like to be awake to see the wall. Have you ever wondered what it was like to be an artist in the Soviet Union? I'm Vladimir von Surikov, director of the Museum of Russian Art, and I invite you to explore our exhibition Art in Conflict running through September 1st. It juxtaposes Soviet socialist realist against nonconformist artists from the latter decades of the Cold War. This is a rare chance to see connections and conflicts inside the Soviet art world. For more information, visit tmora.org. Building a new home or remodeling a treasured older home can be one of the most exciting and rewarding endeavors of a lifetime. The key to success is to have your priorities and expectations decided up front and that your building partners all share your goals and vision. Steve Northway, founder of Construction Advocates, takes the mystery out of the process of building or remodeling and helps ensure a rewarding process for all involved. For more information or to set up an interview with Steve, go to constructionadvocates.com. That's constructionadvocates.com. With your AM950 weather, I'm Sam Turnberg. Today will be sunny with a high near 89, staying mostly clear tonight with a low around 69. Tomorrow will be mostly sunny with a high near 88, Monday sunny with a high near 82, and Tuesday sunny with a high near 80. Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces offers indoor and outdoor stoves and fireplaces. Great for warming yourself by a fire or cooking in a beautiful wood-burning oven. For their award-winning installations, visit them at 2901 Franklin Avenue East in Minneapolis or at woodlandstoves.com. where we talk about ideas that matter, and sometimes we even do art right in the show itself. Yes, today we're going to be doing uh, parts of a show. Uh, If you've just tuned in, we have been talking about a a play that's going to be at the Fringe, which is Revolt of the Beavers. It's a 1937 Federal Theater Project production. It was a children's play about workers who were actually cast as beavers who are exploited by a cruel and greedy factory owner. And they form a union. They demand higher wages. Of course, they get their wages in bark. And they get reasonable shifts. And this is led by a smart labor organizer. Uh, Kit, you've also – I'm going to introduce everyone uh, just in case you've missed who's who. We have Kit Bix, who is the playwright. Uh, I'm going to start with you, Kit. Kit, you've also added another dimension to this with having um, Hallie Flanagan be part of this. Yeah, I added um, just because of the historical significance of the of the uh, the the play in light of the uh, House of Un-American Activities hearings and the way it was one of the plays singled out um, as evidence that the so-called in quotes um, evidence that the uh, Federal Theater Project was promoting subversive or communist propaganda, which was mostly a smear of the communism, but it was um, to, it was done by new dealers to try to shut down um, that, that WPA program. 
and we'll be hearing a little bit about that in the scenes that you've picked. Uh, we have Shannon Tui, who's the director, and in a little bit, I'm going to have Shannon set this these uh, the scene up. Welcome, Shannon. Thank you for being here today. Thank you very much. We heard about Shannon's view of directing and. If you've just tuned in and you want to hear the rest of the show, you can listen on podcast. You can go to am950radio.com and you can listen to us on podcast. We have Peter Ratcliffe, who is the co-executive director of the Eastside Freedom Library. Welcome, Peter. Glad to be here. And you're performing today. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone gets to perform. Yes, yes. We've got Zach Holmquist, who is um, playing the role of Paolo. Good morning. Thank you for having me. And today you'll be playing some other roles, too. So this is radio theater, which I just love. And we've got Christopher Mogul, who is the associate producer, who's also an actor today. Yes, I am. All right. Without much more ado, I'm going to hand it over to Shannon to tell us about the Revolt of the Beavers. Mm-hmm. We open in Washington, D.C., in the U.S. House of Representatives. The year is 1938, and it's the Special Committee on Un-American Propaganda Activities in the United States. Hallie Flanagan is present, um, playwright Louis Lance, and they sit facing Chairman Martin Dyes and, con- and congressmen of the U.S. House. Mrs. Flanagan. Can you introduce yourself once more for those who have just joined us? I am Mrs. Haley Flanagan. I'm a producer and director of the Federal Theater Project. And will you explain to the gentleman here what the uh, Federal Theater Project is? The Federal Theater Project is a government-funded jobs program for the relief of unemployed theater workers. It's a branch of President Roosevelt's Works Project Administration, the WPA. And can you briefly just tell us what your duties are of your position? Certainly. Uh, My chief duty since 1929-1935 has been to combat un-American inactivity. Inactivity, you say? Yes. I refer to the inactivity of professionals, Chairman, artists, and theater workers who at the time when I took office were on the relief rolls. After all those theaters closed, there were thousands and thousands of us on the dole. You basically had to be penniless to get on the FTP payroll. Mrs. Flanagan, I want you to put the relief angle aside for the moment and ask you this. What, in your opinion, is the primary intent in the selection of material for the plays you chose to produce? I'm not sure what you mean. Is the purpose amusement, or is, is it the teaching of, well, particular ideas? I mean, the presentation of certain facts or material portrayed in such a way as to leave a particular impression. We chose such plays as we felt the government could stand behind in a program which is national in scope, regional in emphasis, and democratic in attitude. Democratic? Not democratic in the narrow sense, but yeah, democratic. Right. Well, what concerns me is an admission you made here that some of the plays, 26 to be exact, that were produced by the Federal Theater Project are propagandistic. Is that true or untrue? What I believe I stated yesterday was that to the best of my knowledge, we have never done any play which was propaganda for communism. So you did not produce 26 propagandistic plays? What I said... One of the works in question was a play for children, The uh, Revolt of the Beavers. Beavers? Well, well, of course. In literature and culture, beavers are traditionally associated with industry. They are, as we say, nature's engineers. And so the playwrights, Mr. Lance and Mr. Saul, felt the beavers were the logical choice for the narrative since the play concerns workers. The response to the beavers was an almost hysterical one. It was, in all of its important aspects, a real classic kind of Robin Hood story. It was a basic story about the suffering poor and the oppressive rich, which was classic, you know. It's all through history. In fact, Mrs. Flanagan, doesn't Revolt of the Beavers depict a rebellious gang of workers who seize control of the factory in which they are employed, violently expelling their employer, who is portrayed as rich, greedy, and unscrupulous? Now, let the records show that in the review of the work, Mr. Brooks, Brooks Atkinson of the New York Times wrote, Mother Goose is no longer a rhymed escapist. She has been studying Marx. Jack and Jill lead the class revolution. <laughs> 
Little boy, come here, little boy. What's your name? Paolo, this is my sister. Are you a good Marxist, Paolo, or a bad Democrat? You saw the play, Marco. Uh, how would you describe it? Well, it's about a bunch of poor beavers who work for a mean, rich beaver. And then a hero beaver named Oakleaf organizes the other beavers and gets them to stand up to the bad beaver and demand their rights. And so the play teaches children that when they grow up, it's okay to kill their employer because they don't want to work for a living? Mr. Polo, is that what the play taught you? Or if not that, what? I think never to be selfish and to share. That it is better to be good than bad. Chairman, they are children. It, it was a play about, about how children, how, how they want to, what's important is that they want. How, how children want what? What do children want? How children want the whole world to be nine years old and to share. Mrs. Flanagan, do you agree that plays are primarily for amusement? No. I cannot say just entertainment. Congressman dies. And that brings us into um, a forest where Paolo and Kim are carrying their book bags and they're walking home through the woods. So just a time out before we go into the next scene. That was fun. <laughs> I kept, as I'm reading it for the first time on air, I'm going, gosh, what did I, what did I watch this week? Wasn't there a, a congressional hearing this week? Doesn't this have some, like, reminiscence to this? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, yes. It's all theater. Oh, it is. It is. I, I was expecting to be asked some questions about my text. But <laughs> I, thankfully, this was about the 30s. So that was very cool. And that, that is part of the show. Mm -hmm. um, I, the show then transitions from this congressional hearing to more of a fanciful, the fantasy of the beavers, mm -hmm. correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. So now we're going into beaver land. Yes. All well, right. pre-beaver, pre, yeah, pre-beaver land. This so is the forest before it became beaver land. Exactly. All right. Uh -huh. All right. Um, well, we do have, we have four more minutes in the show, so I think we've got plenty of time to, to at least get us through most of the real forest. And if I need to jump in, I will. But let's just take it from here and, and, and explore the real forest. Sounds great. It's, so it's Kim and Paolo walking home. <laughs> I love that story. And the beavers, they're construction workers, and I like construction. Plus, they work at night, and I like the night. Plus, they're semi-aquatic, and Kimmy, you know how I like to swim. Anyway, it's a real story. It's not a real story. Beavers don't talk. It's a fairy tale. She's a professor, and she says it's real. She's probably read a hundred thousand books and has sailed across the seven seas. Paolo, she's not a professor. Mrs. Barry teaches second grade. Well, Mom says she's smart enough to be a professor, and I believe her. Maybe, probably, she studied animal languages and can interpret what their, you know, their gnawing noises are. Paolo, I don't know what the old lady has told you, but Mrs. B exaggerates all the time. When kids flunk a test, she tells them they're doing fantastic. She's a school teacher who calls herself a professor, and she makes up fairy tales and thinks that because we're nine, we'll believe everything. The professor says that sometimes the real world is so full of lies that the real things become the fairy tales, and that fairy tales are so full of truth that they become real. Have you ever seen a beaver pop his head out of the woods and say hello? I don't know, Paolo. Dad can't find a job, and Mom has to keep the house cold all day when we're at school. It'll be years before you can save up, save up enough pennies from the lemonade stands to buy that pair of ball-bearing skates you want. Besides, things are really dangerous now, and I'm tired of these grown-ups thinking we're gullible, and they're not giving it to us straight. Paolo, we're nine. Nine. Do you realize that in nine years, we're going to be the ones who have to solve the world's problems? Mrs. B ought to stop wasting our time with stories and teach us the sort of thing we need to know to solve these problems. Public policy and physics and world history, not stories, not fairy tales. Do you at least believe in those? <sighs> what, shooting stars? Close your eyes and make a wish. Oh, come on, Paolo, it's, it's getting darker. Make the wish. 
Fine, okay. Wish first. I wish Dad would get a job and that I'll spot a dollar on the way to school tomorrow and buy Mom a new dress. No, not that. Our wish. What? Okay, what do I wish? Hurry. You wish that we could go to Beaverland and talk with the talking beavers and that everyone in the world were nine years old. Okay, I can wish that. Come on. Plus skates. Ball bearing. Paolo, we have to go home right now. One, two, three. Wish. <sighs> And now you go to Beaverland. Yes. yes. And, in, and, and in the original Beaverland, there's like roller skates, right? Yes. So, so we still have the reference to roller, roller skates. Um, good thing on a thrust stage we're not having people <laughs> skate right off the stage. Well, I have to tell you, I know Kit and Kit. Uh, there was something about Kim that really reminded me of you. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Which is great fun. Well, this is a delightful play. Uh, and it's a play that's relevant. Uh, it's a play that you need to go see. And so uh, we want to remind folks that you can go to the Fringe. Uh, yep, uh, mnfringe.org, and then look up Revolt of the Beavers. We also have a Facebook page, um, a, or a Facebook event page, uh, underneath Revolt of the Beavers. And you can uh, that will take you directly to, to the uh, Fringe page where you can order tickets, or reserve tickets, sorry. And the first show is August... August 3rd at I... August 3rd, yep. and there's five shows all together, so you, uh, don't miss them. Go and fill up the, the whole great big thrust stage. It's, it's well worth seeing. Plus, it, not only does the proceeds go to ACLU, there's a big push to vote. Uh, and if you've not registered to vote, we want, we want you to vote. So this is an activist, progressive play, and we're glad that you're listening to AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. And we'll be right back after a break. Here Do you know you can spend your entire life without ever having a psychic reading and be just fine? On the other hand, if you try a psychic reading, you may experience strategic insights and useful answers to help you navigate life's most interesting situations. I'm Christine Schroeder. I'm an intuitive medium and psychic. I can help you to connect with someone that's crossed over, find answers to questions about your career, your romantic life, your family, even your pets. Visit my website at christineintuitivemedium.wordpress.com. Stages Theatre Company is dedicated to creating a space where diverse opinions, courageous dialogue, and community engagement is not only valued, but vital to our shared artistic and educational success. Stages Theatre Company creates a welcoming home for all. For over 30 years, Stages has supported quality theater programming for children. Stages gives opportunities for youth to be on stage, backstage, in the audience, and in the classroom. Whether you come to see a show, enroll a young person in a workshop, or benefit from their outreach programs in the community, Stages brings art to life. Learn about Stages Theater by going to stagestheater.org and become part of the magic of live theater by taking your family to an amazing show or enrolling someone you love in an education program. Stages Theater Company operates out of the Hopkins Center for the Arts, located in Main Street in the heart of downtown Hopkins. For more information on Stages Theater, go to stagestheater.org. That's stagestheater.org. Hi, everybody. Make plans to attend the one and only Powderhorn Art Fair on Saturday and Sunday, August 4th and 5th in the heart of South Minneapolis and picture-perfect Powderhorn Park. Experience and purchase original artwork from more than 230 artists. Spend time with your family and friends creating your own work of art at over a half a dozen art stations. And don't forget to grab a bite to eat from over 25 different food trucks. So join us on Saturday, August 4th from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m., or Sunday, August 5th, from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. or both. The Powderhorn Art Fair is proudly brought to you by Powderhorn Park Neighborhood Association in collaboration with the Minneapolis Park and Recreation Board with a generous gift from the Metropolitan Regional Art Council. Again, join us for over 230 artists, 25 food trucks, and six arts experiences on August 4th and 5th. So we'll see you there at one of the most local art fairs around. Radio show. I'm Laurie Fitz, your host, and we have been having radio theater. We've been having some history discussion, uh, and we're talking about a great play that's called Revolt of the Beavers, a 1937 federal theater project production. 
It's a children's play with lots of political nuance and well worth seeing. It's part of the Fringe Festival. And I'm going to have Christopher Mogul, who is the associate producer of the show, share with us again about what, um, what we, how to get tickets to this show and when does it start. So the uh, show opens uh, August 3rd. It'll be at the uh, Mixed Blood Theater. And so uh, you can go ahead and uh, go on to uh, minnesotafringe.org. And I believe that's uh, Minnesota uh, Fringe, yep, and then .org. Then just uh, look up a Revolt of the Beavers and uh, choose which night you want to reserve tickets for, and you'll be all set. All right. And in this last segment, we are going to practice collaboration and working together and having everyone be able to have a say uh, and and live out the dream of the beavers in a good collaborative way. So we're going to start with our friend Zach Holmquist. Tell me about the play in terms of what it means most to you and why you think our audience needs to think about and and typing in uh, to get tickets uh, to come see the show. Um, I would say, um, you know, there's not one particular thing. I think that there's a lot of topics that are discussed in the show. So I would really like to urge um, everybody that can to come see it and uh, take away from it what you will. Um, so um, come see the show. Uh, come for the entertainment and uh, come for the thoughtful uh, discussion. You know, you bring up a good point. I One of the things that is powerful to me about art, and especially theater, is the experience is one thing, but there's also the takeaway. And the takeaway is in the conversation. Mm -hmm. The takeaway is what did each of us get out of it that then we can hold on to. And I always think a play is really good is if I have an image or an idea that stays with me for a period of time afterwards. There's certain plays that just have made an impact. And part of that impact came from being able to talk about it with the folks that that we come. So if you come alone, you're going to have a great time because you're going to meet people. But think about bringing folks to the show that you can go out afterwards and, and talk about it and, and what's the relevance and what are the things that you can do in in our country today to be part of a resistance, I think, is a good uh, underlying theme. Christopher, you're the associate producer. Tell me why you think this is a good play for folks to come see. Well, I think it's very contemporary, considering a play that was written in the 1930s and what's going on now in the political climate. You can find... Um, all sorts of analogies to basically the rise of um, the dictator and uh, basically the, the attempt to break up labor unions right now with um, there was the one act that was passed about a few weeks ago. The Supreme Court decision, the yes. Janus decision. Yeah. Yes. Um, yes, exactly. So just with what's going on with trying to break up labor unions with, with um, just the political climate both here and abroad, uh, this play continues to be relevant um, no matter which decade it's uh, presented in. We were talking a little bit er- earlier about how art can play a role. Oh, yes. And, and uh, talking about here and abroad, a big shout out to Baby Trump. Yes. You know, what what yeah. an, an incredible artistic creation. Yes, over over there in England, which, <laughs> you know, I, if I remember correctly, was a, was a reference to the uh, balloon, the uh, pig balloon uh, above Battersea Power Station in, 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 uh, in southern England. Well, it it's it was great to see the tens of thousands um, making their voice be heard I and think in it was support. Like Two hundred fifty thousand. Yeah. Oh my goodness! I didn't hear that last number. That's amazing. Yeah, I've been watching the BBC and just various news programs just to kind of give us bigger numbers. Wow! Yeah. Wow. Peter Ratcliffe, who is the co-executive director of the Eastside Freedom Library, tell me your thoughts. Well. At the Eastside Freedom Library, we believe that there's always an ongoing conversation between the past and the present, and the conversation keeps changing based on our experiences in the present. Uh, I greatly appreciate Kit's work that a year ago um, she remounted It Can't Happen Here, a play from 1936 that has great relevance today. Now it's Revolt of the Beavers, another play that has great relevance, as other people have already said. This is a way to enter that conversation between the past and the present. It's a way to use art uh, to foster and fuel that conversation and form that conversation. It's a way of recognizing, as Shannon has suggested, that labor issues are very real today in the theater community. 
whether your stagehands uh, being employed as independent contractors and being denied necessary safety conditions and benefits. So making theater is making work. Uh, and that was something that Hallie Flanagan and the Federal Theater Project recognized. Um, and lastly, we shouldn't lose sight of the fact that the title of the play is The Revolt of the Beavers. So there is the exploitation of the beavers, but there is also resistance and a revolt. And I think we need to study history to find out how people very much like us in the past figured out ways to work their way through difficult situations and to create a better future. And maybe lastly, I would say, as you were saying, Laura, to bring friends with you, I would say bring children with you. And many of us look for how do we get a good conversation starter uh, going with, with youth. And this play is a great way to get that conversation started. I, I heartily agree. Uh, I've often thought that um, the idea that history repeats itself is a nice idea, but I've also heard that makes a lot of sense to me. History may not repeat itself, but it certainly rhymes. And in the rhyming of um, what is happening, uh, it, there's always a slight twist and, and something to, to pay attention to. And uh, I heartily agree about how do, how do we get young people excited? And I'm, I'm excited that this show not only supports the ACLU with 30% going to the proceeds, but it also encourages registration of voters. And I think there's a big push that um, we all are making to get young people engaged in voting. And I think even in that side that we read about nine years, we're going to be taking care of the world. Well, those nine at 18, we want folks to be registered to vote and, and make their voice heard. Mm-hmm. Shannon. Right. And Shannon um, who, Tui, who is the director of the show. Yes. Well, just in bouncing off of that, I think it's the importance of accessibility. So this show is accessible to young people, to old people. It's accessible. We're going to have audio description. We're going to have um, ASL interpreters. We want people to every from every walk of life to come see the show and um, take – Take from it what you will and continue the conversation, as everybody's been saying. It's important. Kit, we have one minute. I just want to have you be able to share in that short one minute. Everything everybody said. No, no, the collaborative aspect especially. So I'm very, I think everybody said it very, very well. Um, The only thing I'd say is what you said, Lori Beth, yet to start a conversation. We did try to, I did try to tone down the didactic aspect and make it more of a dialectic in the script so that there's more, we're not just feeding information or, or ideas, but um, start tr- really trying to, to provoke conversation. And I just want you to make mention a little bit about that sense of collaboration. I know that's very much part of your heart. Who, me? Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, I just love bringing really talented, energetic people together and seeing what happens. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to invite our audience to come see what happens as well. Uh, again, we'll say one more time how to get the tickets through the Fringe. Yep. So MinnesotaFringe.org and then uh, Revolt of the Beavers. And it will be uh, playing for five performances. The Fringe is uh, a great, uh, amazing theater happening here in the Twin Cities. And if you've been to it, you know. And if you haven't, go to the Fringe. Lots of theater, day and night. Um, And you've been listening to AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. And this is Connections Radio, where we like to talk about ideas that matter and explore the relationship to ourselves, our community, and the world around us. Have a great day. We'll look forward to seeing you next week as part of Connections.